One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Rob would have loved this place. He's a good man. The best of us. You know what they have? Walking trails in England. Pubs. Come on, man. Where's your soul? Ah! Oh, oh, it's twisted. It's twisted. Ah! All right. Yep. Oh, easy, ah! easy. Look, we go southwest through here. We cut the journey in half. Or through the forest. Yeah, why not? I should have gone to Vegas. Oh, you'd have found something to fall over in Vegas too, mate. Now, is it me, or is it really quiet in here? <laughs> it's been gutted. Could be hunters out here. A bait, possibly. Or it's the bit they don't show you in the nature documentary. It's a warning. We shouldn't be here. Where the hell are we, Huts? We should pitch the tents. This is ridiculous, man. Luke, you're getting soaked. Did you hear that? No, I didn't hear anything. Come on. a nightmare film. Well, what happened to you then? We got spooked and we had bad dreams, all right? I woke up last night. Look, look at this. Nothing has done that to you. You've done it to yourself. Why do you have to deny everything because I say? Because I do not value your judgment. We need to be working together, man. Hi, welcome to Horror Versus Reality. I'm your host, Anastasia, and my co-host is Morgan. Hello, Morgan. Uh, hello, Anna. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. It's getting this episode together has been a, 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 <laughs> a labor of love. Uh, yes. A lot of trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> That has absolutely nothing to do with the episode itself and everything to do with behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mostly but we're he- me. <laughs> it's okay. But we're here. It's real. It's really happening. You're listening back. to the episode right now. <laughs> we're in back. Yeah. 
So today is Mark's birthday. <gasps> Happy birthday, Mark. Happy birthday, Mark. And it is we are five days away from Christmas, which means this is our Christmas episode. Yeah. And I so Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas. Happy and holidays. Yes, happy holidays, Kwanzaa, you know, Hanukkah, all that jazz. Morgan. Mm-hmm. So this is gonna be our last episode of the year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just one for December. We need time off. Yes, we do. <clears throat> we need a little time off through the holidays. So this is it for the year. But we'll have two in January for you and we'll be back on schedule. Okay, so today's episode is the ritual versus the Yuba County vibe. Now, I gotta say this. The director and the writers have never, sp- and the guy who wrote the book that the movie's based on, have never specifically said that this is based on the Yuba County Five. But there's some similarities that are kind of fun, and we're just going to roll with it. <laughs> and this episode was originally picked by what was supposed to be our guest, Zombie Turtle, but due to um, some mistakes on our part, it's just us for today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's all my fault. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <clears throat> we uh, we got our days mixed up, so. Because <laughs> I can't count. <laughs> Woo! But we're all good. Um, he, he will come back for another episode. We're, so we're going to plan that. He'll probably be, I don't know, our second February episode or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, so it's just us today. Morgan... I know you You and I had both seen this movie before. Like, mm-hmm. before we ever did the episode, we've both watched this previously now. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this was not a new movie for either of us. And I don't think it's a particularly new movie to a lot of people because it's on Netflix and it's, like, really easily accessible and it's a Netflix original. I think this is the first Netflix original we've ever done. Oh, yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of odd because you think they'd be all over that because they are all over the true crime docs right now. Yeah, they are. They uh, they know how to capitalize on a trend. <laughs> <laughs> we see you, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely capitalizing on everyone's love for true crime. Yeah, I mean, not that we're not, but. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they definitely are. But that's fine. You know what's funny? My our guest for February actually just picked another Netflix original. Oh neat out. Yeah, so we'll just two. Yeah, but but that won't be till February. And I'll tell you that off mic. <laughs> that's that's still a surprise, except Kendra and Olivia know. But oh, they oh, know okay. before me? Damn. It was in the group chat, Morgan, <laughs> if you had read the group chat. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am terrible at group messages. It's okay, dude. Like, oh, I have 197 messages to read. I mean, I do not blame you at all for just skipping over that. Don't blame <laughs> you. But yeah, we have a group chat with the girls from Blood, Guts, and Booze. We're buds now, so. <laughs> What's we're up, friends. guys? Yeah, we're friends. We're buds. Okay, Um. yeah, I think we're just going to get it rolling, talking on the um, actors and the director and whatnot. Sweet. Yeah. All right, so the director of The Ritual is David Bruckner, and I feel like he's kind of an unsung director. Like, that's not a name that comes to mind when you think of horror, especially, like, the new wave of horror, right? You have no idea who David Bruckner is, do you? No. Exactly. It's not a name that's, like, you know, it's not, he's not Eli Roth or Ari Oster or uh, Ty West. Those are, you know, like, prominent horror auteurs. Um... 
currently. So I think he really should be more sung. I realized while doing research for this episode that I've actually seen everything that he's ever directed. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it. Scene two. <laughs> so that includes a segment of the 2007 underrated gym, The Signal, which is about a mysterious signal from cell phones, TVs, and other tech that drives people to come in co- that drives people who come in contact with it insane. He also directed a segment of 2016's great horror anthology, Southbound. Highly recommend Southbound. I believe it's on Shutter, but I think it's also on like Tubi and Pluto for free. So check that out. Uh, this year, he directed The Night House, which I think I talked about it on a previous episode. Did I talk about The Night House? Oh, maybe. I'm trying to look at it. Well, it just came out this year. Um, it's pretty good. It stars Rebecca Hall, who's known for movies like uh, Vicky Christina Barcelona. It's a Woody Allen film with um, Scarlett Johansson and Javier Bardem. And it's a good movie. I enjoy that film. So Nighthouse came out. It's got pretty good reviews. I enjoyed it. Go check it out. Um, I think I talked about it before, but if I didn't, maybe I'll talk about it again later. <laughs> Let's see. So he also produced VHS 94, which came out this year, which some people say that it's not as good as the other ones. But then there are some people like hardcore horror fans that really enjoyed it. It was one of the most watched and liked films for Shutter this year. So I think it's worth a watch. I personally didn't love all of it. Yeah, I think it's like any other VHS movie there's segments that are really good and there's segments and there's others that are bad yeah yeah exactly i watched it i liked it did you yeah i I still think the second one was the best uh which one was the second one uh it's vhs2 (laughs) it's the one with the uh oh i thought you were talking about the segments in vhs94 oh no no i liked it it wasn't that Um, bad I think the second one is the best one, too, actually. I agree with you. The second VHS is really good. It makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, too. That's uh, Yeah, that's fair. Um, there is a really good... The best segment of VHS 94 is uh, Ratmana. All hell Ratmana. Oh, was it the... The rat man in the sewer? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's, like, just creepy. Yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, that's everybody's favorite from... Like, everyone loves that segment from VHS 94. Okay, the that's whole time funny. you're like, no, stop. Stop. Yes. <laughs> Why are yeah. you doing this? Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I enjoy that. That's the best segment for sure. It's my favorite anyway. Uh, yeah, so he also directed a segment from the first VHS, which was the segment Amateur Night. He currently is in post-production on the remake of Hellraiser. Clive Barker serves as a producer on this Hellraiser reboot in addition to David Bruckner directing. So I think it may be a decent remake. Uh, and it releases next year on Hulu, so we can find out then. And we'll report back. But yeah, so don't you think he's got like a decent resume yeah yeah but nobody's right but nobody's like (laughs) talking about what he does he's made good movies and then do him maybe we can get him on the show Mm, maybe i recently i'm not gonna say her name but i recently messaged an actress who is not very famous she but i've seen her in a couple of movies on shutter and she only has like maybe six thousand people on instagram so i shot my shot i messaged her and was like, I'd love to have you on the show. And she left me on red. Oh, yeah. Damn. Maybe she's like, okay, I'll message later. Like I do. Uh, maybe. I'm waiting. You know, we'll see. I'm waiting to hear back. If you're listening, I think you know who you are. 
you know who you are. <laughs> Semi-famous <you're>... actress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I would not even say she's famous. She doesn't have a check mark by her name. <laughs> Does she have an IMDb? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh. But I mean, that uh, doesn't... No yeah, offense, but that doesn't mean anything because the girl I went to high school with that's been in like a commercial for Bahama Mama has an IMDb. <laughs> I need one for my scullery maid. <laughs> you can make you could make one. <laughs> I would do it just to be like, yeah, go check out my IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> you I was see in see my face for five seconds. <laughs> I was in turn, Washington Spies. <laughs> You can see me in the background of several episodes making candles. <laughs> yes, Morgan. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the cast. Okay, so Rafe Spall as Luke. Rafe Spall was destined for fame as the son of English actor Timothy Spall, who famously played Peter Pettigrew in the Harry Potter film series, amongst a plethora of other acting credits. Rafi himself has several fruitful collaborations with director Edgar Wright and writer-actor Simon Pegg. He played, Noel, he played Noel, the annoying teenage employee who works with Sean in Shaun of the Dead. He played DC Andy Cartwright of the Sanford Police Department in Hot Fuzz. What? And a, yep. And a small part in The World's End. Also with Edgar Wright, he played a ghost in Wright's fake trailer for Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez's Grindhouse. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, in 2007, Tarantino and Rodriguez directed two separate films, Death Proof and Planet Terror, respectively. And they got fellow directors to come up with ideas for Grindhouse-style films and then to direct a short trailer for each of the fake films. Incidentally... This contributed to the making of the film Machete, which stars Danny Trejo. And uh, my friend Anthony actually bought me Danny Trejo's memoir for my birthday. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to dig into that. All right, so Spall has a decent filmography. So I'm going to mention one more film that he was in, and that is Prometheus, the alien prequel. I like Prometheus. A lot of people don't. It's not without its issues. Case in point, Spall plays Milburn, a biologist crew member of the USCSS Prometheus. Uh, The crew is traveling to a planet that they believe to be home to creators of humanity. Upon arrival on the planet, Milburn and other crew members encounter wildlife. Milburn, instead of being cautious of a wild alien creature, a white, almost cobra-esque creature at that, gets closer to it, and makes kissing sounds and calls it beautiful. You know, not the way a scientist would behave. And things go pretty poorly from there. Watch the film if you want to know more. I didn't even know... Okay, this guy is in so many different movies. I remember him now. I'm, like, looking up pictures. He looks completely different when he was in Shaun of the Dead. I know. It's because he was, like, 20. (laughs) Yeah, like, all of these movies, he looks like a completely different person. He's really good at managing to make his face look pretty different. Yeah, it's crazy. I know, that's what I was thinking when I realized, oh my god, he's the annoying kid from Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea. Um, Okay, so Robert James Collier as Hutch. He's probably best known as the diabolical under-butler on Downton Abbey. 
He also had a small part on Shameless UK, and he was a series regular on the British soap Coronation Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, pl- he played Liam Connor. Um, this role garnered him several awards, including Sexiest Male at the 2007 and 2008 Inside Soap Awards. Ooh, he- get it. Oh, yeah, and gave his career a well-deserved boost. Uh, let's see. So we have Sam Trotton as Dom. Trotton is another legacy actor, his father being British actor David Trotton, and his grandfather being Patrick Trotton, who is best known for his role as the second Doctor on Doctor Who. Oh, cool. That's right. We've made it our way all the way back to Doctor Who again, and it won't be the last time on this episode. (laughs) Sam is a classically trained Shakespearean actor, but that hasn't stopped him doing a fair amount of horror fare and bless him for it. He starred in the horror film Spirit Trap alongside Billy Piper, the doctor's companion Rose on Doctor oh, Who. Fucking love Billy Piper. Yes. Uh, she's so sexy in uh, oh, yeah. Diary of a Call Girl. Oh, yeah. She's, man, I had a really big girl crush on her. Yeah. I still I have had- it. I have a bigger girl crush on Karen Galan as far as Doctor Companions go. Yeah, I can... No, I don't know. Billy... I've always had a thing for redheads. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Billy Piper. I mean, I love Billy Piper, too, but... Yeah, I'm... I've got the hots for Karen Galan. just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, where was I? Oh, he played Thomas Parks, the second archaeologist in Alien vs. Predator. And more recently, he starred as Alexander Akimov in HBO's Chernobyl. If you haven't seen Chernobyl, go watch it. It's a really good dramatization of dramatization of the Chernobyl disaster. Um, good enough that I bought Mark a shirt with a quote from the miniseries for Christmas last year. I just can't get over it that they're all British. At least have a Russian accent. I know, but I mean, <laughs> there's there are so many shows that are guilty of that that <laughs> at this point you're just like, yeah, the the ancient Romans definitely had a British accent. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's just that's just the way it's been for a long time. Anything, I know, I know. It's stupid. I agree. Anything foreign should be in their actual tongue, but for some reason, it's just British actors. I, don't I really just wanted Russians to act it, but I, I mean, can't have everything. <laughs> so Paul Reed as Rob. Reed is a New Zealand actor known for his film Boy Eats Girl, a zombie horror comedy, and a handful of roles on TV shows like Raw and Vikings. Ursher Ali as Phil. Ali is another Shakespearean actor, often playing leads with the Royal Shakespearean Company. In film and TV, he is known for the 2018 Netflix musical Been So Long, as well as TV series such as Beaver Falls, Ackley Bridge, and The Missing. But he is also in an episode of Doctor Who during the Capaldi era. And believe it or not, this is still not the last time I'll be talking about Doctor Who today. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's get... I didn't know there was so many connections to Doctor Who for this movie. The last last one is me is going to be me at the end of the episode talking about the newest season. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so we've got five friends, Phil, Dom, Hutch, Luke, and Rob. They're meeting up at a pub to discuss plans for a group holiday. Rob suggests hiking in Sweden, but everyone's like, no, we don't want to hike in Sweden. Uh, afterward, Luke and Rob leave to purchase alcohol, but interrupt a robbery in progress. 
Luke hides quickly while the thieves harass Rob for his possessions. Frozen in fear, Luke continues to hide, and the thieves kill Rob for not giving them his wedding ring. It's a kind of brutal scene. The thieves are yelling at Rob. Rob glances back and catches a glimpse of Luke hiding. And it's in that instance that he's basically macheting in the face and neck by one of the robbers, leaving a large pool of blood spreading beneath them. And then the robbers just escape. Six months later, the remaining four embark on a hiking trip along the Kungsleden in northern Sweden in memory of Rob because Rob wanted to go to Sweden. So now they're hiking in Sweden. The first day we see them hiking, Dom trips and twists his ankle, thus making the trip miserable for him the rest of the way. Not that it doesn't get miserable for everyone pretty quickly. Mm. Hutch suggests that they cut through the forest rather than use the longer marked trails in hopes of sparing Dom any further suffering. But upon entering the forest, the group encounters strange phenomena, including a gutted elk hanging from several branches it kills me. It kills me. This point where they're like, maybe it was hunters. What kind of, <laughs> what kind of deranged hunter just leaves their bounty impaled in the woods? <laughs> yeah, with his guts just hanging out. Yeah, and then Phil says maybe it was a bear again. What kind of fucking bear does this? And Dom even <laughs> even says that what bear can do that? <laughs> oh, that was a nice nice uh, accent there. Oh, thanks. I just like did it really quickly. <laughs> <clears throat> As the sun sets. A torrential rainstorm forces them to find shelter, and they discover weird symbols on the trees as they come upon an abandoned cabin, so they break in for the night. Inside, they find necklaces bearing similar symbols to the statues made of twigs. Oh, they may, I mean, to the symbols on the trees. And then they find a statue made of twigs, and it's made to look like a headless human torso, and it has antlers for hands. It's fucking yeah, it is cre- It's creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. If you've ever played Fallout 76, it reminds me of something that the Mothman cult would do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just hanging up from the ceiling. Yeah, it's fucking weird. They spend a little bit of time talking but uh, before they sleep, and Phil bets anyone $1,000 to go go sleep next to the statue that he describes as witchcraft. (laughs) During the night, Luke has a nightmare about the robbery, and he awakens to himself standing in the woods with puncture wounds on his chest. The group awakens to a naked Phil praying to the statue. Disturbed by their unconscious actions, the group tries to find a way out. While discerning their location, Luke spots a large figure amongst the trees, but Don thinks he's fucking hallucinating. He doesn't believe him. Even though there's all this crazy shit going on, he's like, no, there's nobody there. (laughs) This is no, not happening. Yeah, and he's in denial. High level of denial. Dom's in deep, deep denial. Uh, He calls Luke a coward. Yeah, and then then in the ensuing argument, he calls Dom a coward. I mean, he calls Luke a coward for letting Rob die to save himself. To be fair, I mean, it's it's that flight or fight reaction, but there's also something that they don't talk about as much where you're literally just frozen and you can't make a choice. Yeah, you just stand there. Yeah, you're not fighting or flighting. You're just fucking stuck. Like when a bear almost attacked me in Gatlinburg one year. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that was was a long time ago. Try to smoke beside the dumpsters. Um, Not a good idea. I thought someone was coming to tell me to put it out, and it was a bear, and it stood on its hind legs. and, (laughs) And I just froze. Didn't do anything. 
and my boyfriend at the time had ran and left me. <laughs> wow. Well, we all know why you left him. Yeah, I broke up with him shortly after. <laughs> you know, Morgan, the bear was just going to tell you that only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> he didn't have to stand on his hind legs and show me all his teeth and claws, but I get it. <laughs> Uh, All right, so later that night, Luke is having another nightmare about the robbery and is awakened by Phil's screams. He comes out of his tent to find Hutch's tent empty and partially collapsed. The remaining three men rush deeper into the woods to search for him, but by dawn, they realize that they are lost and unable to locate their campsite. While continuing to search without their supplies, they find Hutch gutted and impaled on a tree just like that elk earlier. Now, after giving him an impromptu impromptu burial, they continue on. Later, Phil is suddenly dragged away by an unseen creature. Realizing that the creature has been stalking them this entire fucking time, Luke and Dom have little choice but to fucking run. I mean, even though you don't know where the hell you're going, the only choice is to run away from the thing that's trying to kill you, obviously. Yeah, just run. Run for your life! Uh, (laughs) (laughs) As the creature gives chase, they find a uh, torch-lined path, which totally screams cult, uh, leading to a small settlement and rush into a cottage to hide. Upon entering, they're knocked unconscious. (laughs) Good job. I'm just saying, why would they go into the the cot? Why would they go into the cult cottage? God, I don't know. Yeah, like the Uh, one part. I'm like, what the? No. Yeah, I know. Oh, this is clearly bad. Run in a different direction. Yeah, just go the other ways. Don't don't go there. Yeah, but I guess, I don't know. They didn't put two and two together that all of this is related. Yeah. And they're just acting out of pure fear at this point, is all I can imagine. When they awake, they find themselves restrained in a cellar. There's an elderly woman, and she inspects Luke's chest wounds, and she reveals that she has similar markings on her chest. Um, On her way out of the room, she orders two men to take Dom upstairs. A younger woman enters and explains that preparations are being made for a sacrifice. Sometime sometime later, a beaten Dom is returned to the basement. And he tells Luke that he is going to be sacrificed to the creature and urges him to escape and destroy the village before he's sacrificed as well. Desperate to escape... Luke breaks his own thumb, and this is a hard scene to watch, and partially frees himself from his restraints as Dom is tied up outside by the townsfolk. Amidst the ritual, Dom has a vision of his wife emerging from the forest, not realizing it's the fucking creature, until right before it picks him up and impales him on a nearby tree. Because this this thing has a thing for uh, impaling people. (laughs) Yeah. It's really into impaling things. Yeah, that's Um, like his one one thing. It's his one move. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sometime later, the young woman comes back and she, uh, Luke asks about the creature and she explains that it is a Jotun, an ancient godlike entity and an offspring of Loki that the cult provides sacrifice to in return for immortality. And Luke has been chosen to be part of the cult and worship it or else be sacrificed, basically. After she leaves, Luke fully frees himself 
and runs upstairs. Uh, armed, <laughs> with, yeah, armed with a torch, <laughs> he finds a twisted congregation of mummified worshippers that begin to move and set themselves aflame, burning the cabin and attracting the Jotun. Luke finds a hunting rifle and heads downstairs, running into, running into and killing a follower before taking another man's axe. The enraged Jotun kills the young woman while Luke shoots at it and escapes. It pursues him, crippling his mind with hallucinations of Rob's death before catching and forcing him to his knees, offering him a chance to submit. But Luke refuses before striking it with his axe, briefly incapacitating it. Following hallucinatory signposts and rays of sunlight, he emerges in an open field, unable to leave the forest. The Jotun roars in anger while Luke shouts back in triumph before heading towards a paved road that shows an approaching car. And that's the end. Um, This film reminds me a bit of The Descent, and let me explain why. It's a group of friends going on an outdoor adventure that goes terribly wrong, and only one of them, who also happens to be one who experiences the most trauma in the beginning of the film, survives through the rest of the trauma throughout the film. Oh, I thought you meant it was like a strong female lead. (laughs) No. I just mean that one... (laughs) (laughs) Right, obviously, you don't mean that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it definitely, like with um, uh, Luke, like Luke being there for the murderer and then... Yeah, and she and the main actress, you know, sees her husband die at the very beginning and her child. And so they, they have very similar feels to them, The Descent and this movie does. I agree. Yeah. And uh, it's creepy. And you know that they're all dying. Yeah. Um, I love both of these movies. I, I love The Descent and I love The Ritual. I think they're both entertaining films. I think they're both good films. You and I both liked them, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's this all one freaks me out more, I think, than the descent. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think this I... one like had me more freaked out, like not wanting to continue. Yeah, I get what you're saying with that. Um, I like the like I've seen the descent so many times because it's basically my favorite horror film. So I mean, obviously, uh, I'm a little partial to it, and it doesn't scare me anymore because I I could literally quote the film. Like, word by word. (laughs) (laughs) I think we watched it twice when you lived with me. At least twice. That's probably true. (laughs) I definitely definitely owned it back then. I bought it, like, as soon as it was available at Blockbuster to buy. Yeah, and I I had it, too. Or I have it still somewhere. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense that I would have made you watch that (laughs) choice. (laughs) I've made everyone watch that movie. If you've never seen it and you're friends with me, guess what? You're going to see it. It's so good. It is so good. Okay, so I've got some fun facts. I just got to get to them. So some of my fun facts. Uh, The original tagline that was used when advertising the film was they should have gone to Vegas. But due to the massacre in Vegas that took place on the 1st of October that year, the tagline has now been changed to they should have gone to Ibiza. (laughs) Uh, The sign the hikers see near the trees in the cabin is the last rune of the Futark. In a, the, just the ancient Germanic alphabet called Oldal or Othala is pronounced O and means property. What? So basically those markings meant that they were on someone else's property. They were on the cult's property. Oh, like the little, um, the, the runes, runes that were through the trees? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The rune, that means, yeah, that's like basically the rune equivalent of private property. Oh, well, that's and they cute. were, yeah, and they were on it. <laughs> I've seen people tattooed with that rune, so they're... Oh, that's kinky? Right? 
I think I've seen that tattoo. Hmm. That's kind of (laughs) kinky. I'm my own property. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Besides the Othala Odal rune, the Alges, also called the Alhaz rune, can be seen on the trees and as the shape of a sacrificial pole. Algas is the name conventionally given to the Zerun of the Elder Futhark runic alphabet from the common Germanic word for elf, and it is thought to represent the divine might of the universe. Ooh, damn, that's, that's so deep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so I was telling you earlier that this was based on a book. This is based on the novel by Adam Neville. I've never read it. Have you read it? I have not. I have not. Um, let's see. The rifle Luke uses near the end appears to be a World War II German K98 car or Mauser. It's a Mauser. It's a Mauser? It's a Mauser. Okay. Though not revealed in the film, the small witch, at least in the original novel, is revealed to have hooves instead of feet, giving her loud footsteps, which can still be heard in the film adaptation. Oh, that's crazy. So that. What? So they filmed <laughs> her with hooves, but didn't show them? Yeah. Kind of, well, they made they made footsteps like she has hooves, but they didn't give her hooves explicitly. Oh, Does that make sense? okay. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You can just hear the hoof prints. But yeah, you can hear hooves, but she has normal feet. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. The way the monster hangs its victims in the cultist village mirrors part of Asatrara mythology about odin i probably butchered that i'm very (laughs) sorry who originally gained wisdom and knowledge of rune magic by hanging himself from the world tree by impaling himself on a spear in mythology the spear was given to odin by loki though it is unclear if this is intended to be a reference to that but it probably is right i think so Yeah. yeah I feel like it would be. Yeah. The creature in the film bears resemblance to the creature of Slavic folklore, the Leshy. It's a wood guardian spirit that takes a variety of forms. Early on in the film, in the scene after the convenience store murder, as the campers are waking up, Hutch, Phil, and Dom exit their tents in the same order that they end up dying. Oh. Yeah. That's clever foreshadowing. Uh, The stone image a cultist is briefly seen praying before is a reproduction of the Kirby Stevens stone, which is believed to be a representation of Loki. Throughout the film, the creature's two eyes can be seen in shots in the forest. So he's looming in the background if you go back and watch it. Yeah, I I noticed that in, like, hands around the trees in some scenes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's which when you're when you've seen it more than once and you know these things and you go back and look for them, it's super creepy, but it's yeah. also cool. Yeah, because I've watched this movie, like, three times, I think. Yeah, me too. This is like my third or fourth time, the last yeah. time I watched it. The last time I watched it was the first time I noticed the hands. Nice. I think I noticed the hands the last time for the first time too. Yeah, I had noticed the <laughs> creature in the back, but not the hands. hands. I was like, what the, is that a hand? Yeah. I thought it was like a, a mess up, like an Easter egg or something. And then I was this, like. Guys, that- this is exactly why you watch horror movies more than once. Because you will notice subtle things. Creepier. 
Yeah, especially ones with rich lore. I wouldn't recommend watching, I don't know, slashers over and over again. <laughs> I don't think you're going to pick, I don't think you're going to glean a lot of new stuff from that. But watch movies like Midsummer or Hereditary or this movie again and again. And you will pick up on new things every time. Definitely. That I can promise you. Especially Hereditary. Ugh, maybe so creepy. I did not like that movie the first time I watched it. I didn't like it either. But it's grown on me some. I still don't really like it. I don't really like it that much either. They're but like, oh, I was just freak you out with all this nonsense. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was just like, I feel like I would have liked it more if the family were just like psychotic, just went psychotic. And that they weren't all part of this like witch cult that the grandma had. Spoiler yeah. alert for Hereditary. <laughs> yeah no they're all the part I, that's what like just doesn't make sense and i don't know the sun too like i'm sure that happened yeah i mean there are breadcrumbs to connect all that together but i just didn't like it i didn't care for it i don't well i don't really like supernatural horror that much to be honest um and there are exceptions to that rule, obviously, but i prefer creature features or serial killer type things um or just like slow builds where people are driving themselves crazy i just don't like ghosts and shit and it's not because i'm afraid of them it's because they don't they're not scary to me because i don't know i think it's because i've never thought ghosts were real but i just don't like movies about them even though even though it's like there's not those cave dwelling things in the descent either but i don't know to me that's not the best part of the descent either with the creatures yeah, the creatures aren't the, the actual terror, in my opinion. The actual terror is being stuck in a cave that you can't get out of because you don't know the system and your friends are also backstabbing you. Yeah, and it's like a psychological. Yeah, that to me, you're not being able to trust your own friends and not knowing who to trust and then being lost in a claustrophobic place in the dark. That's way more scary than the cave dwelling things to me. Yeah, just I, saying. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's how I feel about that. Anyway, um, although not mentioned in the film, only in the novel, the creatures the creature's name is Motor, which is Norse for mother. Um, in the film, it is said it's a son of Loki's. However, in the novel, it is female. No book, it's male. No, in the book, in the movie, it's male. Okay, it's in, in the movie. I mean, did I say the book? I meant the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> In the in the novel, um, the monster is a female, like a mother spirit of the woods, kind of. That would, I think, that would have made the movie better. If they would. I agree. I mean, I still think it was good, but I think that would have been cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's all I've got on the trivia. Do yeah, I did. Know? I did like this movie. I did. Me too. Me too. Um, it's uh, it's a good one. I enjoy it. Yeah. The the first time I think I watched it, I fell asleep, like, right when they got to the freaking cabin. <laughs> me too! Me too! It took me a couple of times to actually get into this movie, but once I did, I was glad I did. Me too, because I think I fell asleep at the cabin, like, three times before I even watched this movie all the way through, and then I watched it two more <laughs> times all the way through. So I've seen it, <laughs> I guess, a total of, like, two and... Three quarters? I don't know. I swear Three. sometimes we're the same person. Yeah. <laughs> I like how we fall asleep at the same parts of the I know. movies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, after the shooting, it moves kind of slowly for a bit. Yeah, it and does. Then, 
And then it really picks up. Yeah, it takes, what is it, when they're out in the... After he gets hung up in the trees. Yeah. It it gets better, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. the first part we're in the house, it's really slow. And the colors, I mean, the colors throughout this whole movie are just gray and dim. Yeah, and, it's dark and dreary because yeah, you're... Yeah. Yeah. It's like all well, rainy and cold. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's supposed to reflect the, like, vibe of the everything. <laughs> that is the vibe they were going for, for sure. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, me too. I love, um, like, people, I love movies where people get lost and crazy shit happens. Yeah, there's that- some, a movie out now that I watched. I cannot freaking find the name. You may know it, but it's a girl or a woman, um... It has uh, Alicia Silverstone in it, actually. It's a brand new movie. I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not sure about the name. Let me Google her, because she's at the very beginning. Oh, I know what you're talking about, I think. are you? Did it just come out this year, or did it come out like maybe a year or two ago? I think it came out this year. Okay. I was thinking of The Lodge, but maybe you're talking about something else. No, I want to talk about this movie. Is it The Lodge? Are there kids in it? Yes. It's The Lodge. Okay. That movie with the psychological part and being trapped in that that house. Yeah, it is The Lodge. I expected so much more out of that movie. <laughs> yeah, that with the whole psychological part of it, like it was kind of making me uncomfortable with the mental illness aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's really not cool that knowing that she had a mental illness just because they hated you know her being the new like fiance of their dad they fucking hide all her shit yeah (laughs) that's so messed up they even hide their own shit to like fully sell it yeah that's like the i wasn't expecting that at all i thought they were gonna be dead (laughs) yeah it didn't go the way i thought it was going to but i don't i didn't really like it it kind of made me really cold I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. She goes out there. I mean, she has to go out there with no shoes and just, like, a blanket on. Yeah, like, she would have been dead. Yeah. Um, That actress is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. What? Yeah, that's Kyle. That's uh, Riley Keough. Riley Keough. Wow. Okay, I can see it now. Her yeah. eyes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is true or not because he tells tall tales sometimes. But a friend of mine claimed to have dated her. My my friend that lives in Los Angeles. <laughs> so do you believe it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. He was thick as thieves with another friend who had a lying problem. So I don't know. <laughs> Just a bunch of liars. I don't know. I think that it's, it's all like, it was always like little white lies. Things that just like didn't matter. You know what I mean? Why, why you gotta lie about that? Yeah, it was always stuff like that. Like, oh, I have this really nice house when really I don't. It was always stuff like that. Or I have a pet butterfly that eats filet mignon. <laughs> I still can't believe that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm yep. sorry. Cut it up and feed it to the butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to struggle to not laugh when, when I was told that. Because I'm like, that's absurd. Come it's on. an entire state. <laughs> I mean, I even like within the realm of reason, a tiny amount a butterfly couldn't eat. They don't have fucking teeth. <laughs> but that one did. Yeah, it was a fucking vampire butterfly with big large fangs. <laughs> Can't carnivore butterfly. Oh my god. Anyway, a good scary movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Morgan, would you like to tell us about the Yuba County Five, please? Yeah. Yeah. You want to come on this journey with me? I do want to come on this journey with you. I'm ready. Let's do it. This mysterious journey. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. So the Yuba County Five, like, I mean, you're saying is definitely <laughs> not like this movie, but it has similarities. No. Um, there but- are a gang of friends who disappear into the woods and um nobody really knows what happens and i assume you don't see what happens in the fallout of the ritual but i would assume that he probably made some shit up about where his friends went because no (laughs) one's gonna believe what really happened no one would ever believe that story even if they found the cult later it would still they wouldn't believe it they'd be like no this is you're deranged (laughs) you hallucinated um yeah. So the Yuba County Five uh, was is how what they refer to uh, the missing and subsequent deaths of five men from Yuba City, California. So the Yuba County Five, only one of them. Okay, one of them is still considered a missing person. Gary Dale Mathias, he's the only one who was not found. Uh, the rest of the men were found dead. So four men. Um, but the Una- Yuba County Five were all young men, and they were actually referred to lovingly as the boys. They were all they all had either mild intellectual disabilities, psychiatric illness, and some like learning disabilities. So the oldest was Ted Weir, and he was 32 years old. He was considered a slow learner, is what the families and people that knew him said. He was also a janitor, and he worked at a snack bar. He was like a clerk. Mm, and snacks. snacks. And then there was Jack Madruga. He was 30 years old. Um, he was also known to be a slow learner as well. Um, and then 29-year-old Bill Sterling. He was actually super Christian, like really religious. And he was known to have an intellectual disability. And then Jack Hewitt, who was 24. He had mild intellectual disabilities and also really looked up to uh Bill Sterling and Bill being 29, he also was very protective of Jack. Like they were really, really good friends, really close. And then lastly, there was Gary Mathias. He was 25 when he went missing. He had schizophrenia and he was known he actually had some prior jail stints. He was arrested a couple of times for assault. He also was in the army. But he was uh, psychiatrically discharged due to um, his symptoms of schizophrenia. And he was also known to use illicit drugs. So he was actually um, let go out of the army. And he was on psychiatric medications, cogentin and salazine, which are psychotropic psychotropic drugs and apparently according to people in his life he had really gotten the medication and like the symptoms under control it took a long time for him to find the right dosage of things and so he wouldn't be put into uh, hospitals because he'd been hospitalized a few times for schizophrenia but the doctor and his counselor they all said he was finally on like a good 
um, mix of medications, and he was in with a good crowd with the boys. I know as, as someone who whose brother was schizophrenic, it's really hard to get that under control and find the right dosages and things to like work your chemistry out. Yeah, like with the hallucinations or positive and negative yeah. symptoms, because you could, you know, go into a catatonic state or be hallucinating or what. Like, there's different symptoms, and they're all it's really debilitating. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, and especially with him, uh, Math- Matthias Gary. Uh, he also had a drug problem. So as soon as you do like illicit drugs or anything, you can go right back into the hardcore symptoms of schizophrenia. Yeah. So they had finally like gotten gotten him under control. He was staying out of trouble. He joined this group uh, known as the Boys. They were all on a basketball team, and it was like uh, sponsored by some local club or something. And they played basketball all the time. They were on a team, and it was really for like uh, mentally handicapped, like a special team. So, yeah. um, back to the basketball thing, they actually went missing after attending a basketball game in Chico. California. So the boys were supposed to be a part of a special Olympic basketball tournament on February 25th. So the day before, on February 24th, 1978, the boys all loaded up into a car and decided to go to the UC Davis basketball game against um, another team in Chico, California. So it was actually an away game, and they wanted to go support the UC Davis team. They went to see the game like mid-afternoon, so their parents were expecting them back at night. They all lived at home because their degrees of disability all fluctuated between uh, mental illness or intellectual disabilities, but they all lived at home with their parents because they were unable to care for themselves, like, all the way. Like, they were hi- very high-functioning, but um, couldn't sure. live on their own. Yeah, I mean, I had a cousin, um, like, a third or fourth cousin or something like that, who, like, was developmentally challenged, but he mowed lawns for a living and like you know was able to make enough to like buy things or whatever but he couldn't like drive a car he had to like yeah he couldn't afford like a house you know he just lived with his mom yeah the only two of the men actually drove madruga that that's that was his car right Um, but also matthias could drive but they were the only two that could drive the rest could not um and like like you said they, i mean they were high functioning enough to have jobs but mm-hmm. like to live on their own and make financial decisions and stuff like that they just weren't able to right um but madruga owned the montego car and so whenever the after the basketball team won They left. Um, They went to a store. They were seen by people buying milk, soda, candy bars, you know, just to go back home. Because the drive, I think, was it was a little bit over an hour, I believe. I know it was 50 miles away, but their car was found abandoned over 70 miles outside of Chico in the opposite direction on a mountain. So if anybody knows about this case, like it is shrouded by mystery like 
I mean, what, 1970? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. People are still talking about it, like wondering what happened. Yeah, uh, it's been referred to as the American Dyatlov Pass incident. Yeah, because yeah, and that, it really that is shrouded in mystery. And they all died of hypothermia and like starvation and stuff. But we'll we'll get into that. Sorry. Yeah, um, it's a crazy case. It is crazy. Like I went down some rabbit holes. There's a lot of deep like YouTube and like podcasts about it. There's some crazy theories. There's even like theories of aliens and stuff, but oh, we'll yeah. get into those. <laughs> um Bigfoot. Yeah, there's a lot of like mystery around this. So if a theory could be about it, there is a theory about it. Yeah, exactly. There's a theory that exists. Mm-hmm. All theories. It was um, David Duchovny. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Come Damn on, Mulder. <laughs> Solve it. Um, so, like I said, their car was found 70 miles outside of Chico. Their car was found two days after. On uh, February 25th, 1978, when the boys didn't show up to their family's homes. Um, all of the families reported their sons missing. It would be very unusual for them to not come home at night, but also to miss their basketball tournament because they're all heavily into basketball and they wanted to play for the Special Olympics. And it was actually an Olympic game that they had all been looking forward to for a long time. So it was really strange when the car never came home and all the boys were missing and no one had called. So on the night of February 24th, 1978, there was a 55-year-old man named Joseph Shonis. And he was on the same mountain outside of Chico, California. He had gotten stuck in the snow because there was heavy snow drifts. And he was actually traveling up the mountain to see if the weather conditions were okay for his family to go camping. He got stuck in the snow and proceeded to try to push his car out of the snowbank. And when he had like sharp chest pain, And he's like, oh, this is it. I'm having a heart attack. But I mean, he actually did have a heart attack. But (laughs) I pictured I pictured Fred Sanford. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you picture that because he's like, oh, I'm coming for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he, he was outside trying to push it. It was super cold. It was snowy. 
And then that chest pain happened. So he could no longer push his car. So he actually sat inside of his car trying to stay warm and trying to let the pain pass when he noticed some headlights in front of him. And he said the headlights belonged to a red pickup truck. A lot of his testimony is, I mean, some people believe he's hallucinating because of the heart attack and he's not sure what he saw. But around that time, he said he saw the headlights and he heard people talking. And when he yelled for help, the flashlights and the talking stopped. So, again, he tried to get out and push his car, couldn't do it. Then he heard people, like, talking around his car in the woods near where he was stuck. And so he called out to them. And, again, the lights went dark and all the talking ceased. And he also noticed among these group of men was a woman holding a baby. And he said he wasn't sure if it was four or five men, but he was really sure that there was a woman holding a baby in the group. After they finally left, his chest pain kind of like subsided enough that he ended up walking like eight miles down the mountain to go back to a ski lodge. When he went back to the lodge, called for help, the manager of the lodge drove him home and he really didn't think anything of seeing the pickup truck and hearing the people talking and everything. So until he saw missing poster signs around, he actually went and reported it to the police on March 3rd. He said, yeah, I saw some people on that mountain the same night and I called for help and no one helped me. And there was a woman carrying baby. So, um, after he had come forward two days later, a clerk in Brownsville contacted the police and Brownsville's like 30 miles away from the car between Chico, I think, and, um, where they came from. And, She said she had seen four men in the store and two of them, she said, was Sterling and Hewitt. And Sterling was the the deeply religious one and Hewitt was the older one who looked up to Ted. Um, So she said they she saw them buy milk soft drinks and burritos and the other two men were talking on the phone outside so around and and this was like just taken down in the report and they were thinking they were alive at this point so then on june 4th there were some motorcycle drivers who were driving through the national park and came up to a trailer which was owned by the national park system and they saw that there was a window broken and they smelled a really bad stench coming from the trailer and that's where they found the body of ted weir so the investigation picked up around this point police came they determined weir had died of uh it was determined that ted weir had actually died of starvation and hypothermia he had lost around anywhere between 80 and 100 pounds at this point 
and his feet were so severely frostbitten they didn't think he could um move around like walk they think Which that just means that they were out there for a long time yeah um and what the the thing is like frostbite you, you know it, it can go on for a, a little bit and then turn gangrenous or it could go on for a while and turn gangrenous but they think he was alive for eight anywhere from eight to 13 weeks yeah that's crazy yeah so i mean his feet must have been like swollen painful hurting and then like the infection set in because they he did have gangrene yeah but he they think he was alive for around like a month I mean, or uh, two months to a few months. So it's like, when did he die? They didn't determine his death date. Right. Which I guess it would be kind of hard because he died of hypothermia. Like he could have been dead for a lot he longer. Was, he was well preserved is what we're saying. Yeah. But they also saw that his beard growth, they determined he lived that long because of his hair and yeah. how long his hair was and how like skinny he was. Yeah, the amount of weight he dropped as well. Yeah, and they also found him wearing Matthias's shoes. And also, he was wrapped in eight sheets that were found in the cabin. And they mm-hmm. think that someone had wrapped him up and switched shoes with him after he died. Because they yeah. don't think he could have like had the shoes on in that much pain and the frostbite. That's what I think happened. Yeah, and so at least that little part. <laughs> a lot of his objects or like belongings were found near him or on the table in the room. And there was also a golden watch who they never figured out who that gold watch belonged to. Um, it didn't belong to any of the boys. And when the police found his car or their car, it was in like mint condition. It was barely stuck in the snow. It There was snacks found in the car, like empty wrappers that they had bought. And then only one half of a candy bar remained. The map of California was in there and the keys were missing. There was one open window, an unlocked car, and then the quarter of a tank of gas was found in the car so it's not like they ran out of gas and it was found in a small snow thing a small snow bank so they think they could have like pushed it out of the snow right so but also you can't you i don't know Maybe they try to push it. We're pushing it all the wrong way. You know, like they said that the wheel marks that look like they had struggled, but there were no signs that the car was disabled at all. So that's why they think it's weird. And the car was in mint condition and the roads were really, really rough. The police said it either had to have been someone local from the area or someone who knew the road. And the only person that knew anyone around there was Matthias, but it was in, it was like 30 miles away from where they were. So there is a theory that they thought that they got lost, but then there's another theory that they think they met um, someone along the way who pretty much kidnapped them. How does a? Because I mean, we've we all that we know is that he was maybe with this is that they were maybe with a woman. Yeah. So how there's... does one woman kidnap five men? 
Well, there is another theory that um, the guy who had a heart attack. I mean, there's so many fucking theories. I know. There's all, (laughs) like we said earlier, there's so many conspiracy theories about. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. Like, the one with the the only witness they said uh could have been involved and then killed one of the guys and you know there's there's a lot of different theories there's a theory that they even met up with matthias's friend and then the friend took him over killed matthias buried him somewhere and then took them up there and left them but i mean there's so many different theories yeah um, and i don't want to like put the blame on anyone what um, what would you say is the prevailing theory why they didn't eat all the food that was there? Yeah, so back to that part. Uh, when they found his body, they said he lost, he died of starvation and hypothermia um, with the frostbite and everything. But mm-hmm. there were, uh, there was enough food in there for all the men, all five grown men, big boys, uh, to survive on for a year. There were ration packs, there were unopened cans of food, and they also saw that no fire had ever been started. Um, there was plenty of butane in the tank to heat the trailer. Like, it was a legit big trailer, and there were things in there so you could survive. Like, there were wool blankets that were never used, Um there was a broken window, the one that the biker saw, that was never covered up. Um, the, and there was also like another locked container that could have easily been broken that was full of even more food and clothes. That's what's so crazy about the case. There's everything they needed to survive for plenty of time for people to find them. And yet no one knows what happened, why they didn't eat those, why they didn't make a fire. Did they go into a five-way suicide death pack? I doubt it. Yeah, no. And like um, back to where the bodies were found. So around June 4th, when they found uh, the body of Ted Weir, the police went and said, okay, let's go up and down this road. But Madruga and Sterling's bodies um, were found 11 miles away from the car. So the trailer was like 20 miles away. So what they think the Madruga and Sterling um, had died of hypothermia, or one of them did, and then they wouldn't leave the other. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, Sterling and Madruga were very close, but also Hewitt was super close. And Hewitt was found a little bit closer to the campsite, um, they think that maybe the two men, um, Madruga and Sterling died first, where Hewitt, Matthias, and Madruga, or sorry, no, Madruga was dead. Um, they think Hewitt, Matthias, and Weir had actually carried on while the other two died first. Yeah. Um, so... On June 7th, which was two days after those um, last two men were found, um, they were all found within a week of each other after they noticed that this trailer was where around where they were. 
Um, on June 7th, Hewitt's backbone was found by his father. That's really sad. That's really sad. Yeah, he was looking for his kid, and he found his backbone. Um, and then his skull was found around, like, 30 feet or something from that. Um, so the animals had gotten to all of the bodies except for Weir's, and Sterling was only bones. There was nothing left of him. Like, they said that the wild animals had gotten to the body, so made it a little bit harder to determine what was going on. But they all were said to have died of hypothermia. Um, And Matthias has still never been found. No sign of him at all. The only thing that was left behind by Matthias was his shoes. But... Um, Ted's Ted Weir's shoes were never found. Yeah. So, um, what I was thinking, I know a couple of them were army veterans, so they would have known how to use um the uh, can opener that was there. But right. they don't think without them, they would have known how to open a can of something. So if the army veterans inexplicably died first. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they wouldn't know how to open the cans. Okay. But it's it's also like, were they scared they were going to get in trouble because they broke in somewhere? Yeah. yeah. And their, you know, overwhelming fear of getting in trouble... Um you know, got in the way of their survival instincts. Sure, sure. Because, like, yeah, there's a a whole cabinet full of things, but, oh, no, I could go to jail for stealing this. But you would think at the point where you're hungry enough, you'd be like, fuck it, I don't give a shit. Yeah, but I read a story, I can't remember which one. Um, he, I think it was Weir, a do believe it was weird. He stayed in bed during a house fire because he was scared to lose his job if he got out of his bed. Because he was thinking it was if he got out of his bed, then he wouldn't go to sleep and he couldn't wake up for his job the next morning. That's what I don't know so, where I read this and which one it was, but it said yes, that. He may well, have not true. had the yeah, he may he may not have had the wherewithal to say, okay, I'm gonna die if I don't eat right now, you know? If Yeah, uh I mean if his ailments or uh, disorders were to the point where he doesn't recognize danger, that's a problem. Yeah. So it's it you know, I don't know, because I don't know their level of disability yeah i mean like you know a toddler will eat when they're hungry even if they're afraid they might get in trouble don't you think yeah and uh, matthias and madruga were the only two who would have known how to open the food so if it was just hewitt with him, they wouldn't have even known how to open the food. Right. But not everything was in cans, though, right? Yeah, the packages of food were opened. 
and eaten, but not the cans and okay. some of the stuff in the MR. Like they had rations, like MRE rations. Okay. Um, so some of the easy stuff was eaten, like, but stuff that needed to be cooked or anything was not cooked. Even though they had uh, plenty of matches, they probably were thinking, oh, we're going to burn this place down if we use a match. You know, I, you don't, I don't know why they could have made a fire. And well, not- the one, the one that's been in the house fire before might have fire PTSD. Yeah. He may not want to have a fire because he thinks he's, you know, going to burn the place down. That's fair. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of different theories. I know. I would kill to know, not really, not literally kill, but I would, (laughs) I would love to know what, like, I really deeply want to know what really happened. Yeah, there was, there's another theory that um, when they got stuck in the snow, uh, maybe they didn't think they could push it out. So they just decided to go get help because they knew to get help. And they followed some snowmobile build tracks that had been cleared to the path of the trailer the day before. Because there was no heavy snowfall between the night before and then the night they disappeared. So the path to the trailer would have been fresh. So they probably thought someone was there. Maybe. But along the way, three of them died. That's right. one theory, that right. the three of them died and only two made it to um, the trailer. And then once they got um, Weir into bed, maybe Sterling, I think it was Sterling, maybe Sterling went to get help or Hewitt. Because Hewitt and Weir were the closest to the trailer. Yeah. So maybe... Weir and Hewitt made it to the trailer while Madruga, Sterling, and Matthias had already died. So that would be the two with um, the more extreme um, intellectual disability. Right. That makes sense. Um, So then Weir may have laid in bed waiting for Hewitt to return when Hewitt died. In the cold. That makes sense. That's a plausible. That's plausible. Yeah, because if if Hewitt was like, "Hey, wait here," and then left, and then Weir's just stuck in the bed, maybe he thought like, "I have to wait here, or, or we're not gonna make it," or I don't know. Or there was a Norse deer cult. Um, <laughs> in the woods, <laughs> and uh, things just really went awry. Yeah, maybe, mm, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's it. Uh, we may never know. Um, there's a documentary somewhere. I don't know where it's where it's streaming, but there's a documentary about this case that you can watch if you'd like to learn more. And uh, you said there's a book that came out in last year, right? Yeah, there's a book. Uh, I think it's called the Yuba County Five. Probably. Uh, Keep it didn't simple. Write it down. Yeah, I didn't write it down. But there is a book. 
I, I didn't read it. <laughs> you did other research, and that's fine. Some yeah. cases don't even have books about them, so, you know. Oh, it's called Out of Bounds, What that's Happened right. to the Yuba County Five by Drew Hurst Beeson. Yeah, I want to read that. Um, I would love to have some in- some more insight into things, because this is a maddening case. Yeah, it's it is really maddening and it's just so freaking bizarre, you know? Yeah, it's freaking bizarre is right. Are we yeah. from Fargo now? Are we from Fargo? I think <laughs> it's just really bizarre. <laughs> really bizarre. Like there's a fine line between the uh Fargo accent and Henry Zabrowski's Canadian Carla Homoka accent. Oh my god, I'm Carla. <laughs> <laughs> they did yeah. a good job on this episode. He did. He but, did. But with with this case, it's just so sad. Cause like all of these guys all of these boys were so good and like they were they were innocent and sure. wanted to play on the Special Olympics and stuff. And then that's, the, that's the a, outcome that's is just... innocent goal. Yeah. yeah. And, like, even when they went to the store, they bought a bunch of milk. <laughs> like, it's so sad. Right. Yeah. Bought chocolate milk. Aw. Yeah, so... There's, there's something so innocent about chocolate milk, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> Chocolate milk and candy bars. Well, it's because it's exactly what a kid would eat. Yeah. And they were like kids. A kid's not going to get something nutritious, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and like, and and Ted Weir, um, the one who was found in the cabin, everybody that knew him said he was, like, super trusting and loving and just thought the best of everybody. Like, and he just starved to death like it wouldn't be hard to venture that they could easily if they were all easily trusting they could have just gone with someone who would have like stranded them or something yeah Yeah. and like lee and also like you know leaving the game the game was over like 10 p.m i think so who knows they may have saw like the woman and her baby on the side of the road maybe it was a setup you know like maybe, and maybe, she, maybe she, she like stole their car. Yeah, or or maybe she was hitchhiking and said you need to drive me up here and her boyfriend was waiting. Like Yeah. And they all ran different ways and then Weir made it to the cabin and just couldn't survive on his own. Yeah. But um, it's just so weird because Weir was the one with two jobs. Yeah. And he, he starved to death yeah. surrounded by food. Yeah, it's bizarre. I would have, I mean, personally, I would have been, like, sticking knives and um, doing everything I can to try to break into the can. Yeah. I didn't know how to use the can opener. And then, like, with the can opener, it was there. Like, you would try everything if you're starving. Yeah, exactly. You would eat anything and try everything. Yeah, and, like, there was still stuff that was unopened, um, unused, and then some of the boxes weren't 
opened and there were like flashlights and blankets like a whole bunch of wool blankets new clothes new shoes there there was everything you needed to survive in that place for like a year like even all the um like they had broken into the tanks uh or the the cabinets where like the fuel was stored yeah and there were tons of unopened fuel containers so it's it's just a mystery, and they even had really shitty books to burn. I don't know if they're shitty, but they said that there are a whole bunch of paperback books that you could use as kindling. Damn. But who knows if they even knew how to light a fire, or like you said, maybe one of them had the PTSD from the I mean, house if fire. He, if he was really in that house fire, I fucking would. Yeah, and I, I think it was Ted Weir. That I read. I don't know how true that is or where I read it, but sure. I did a lot of, a lot of reading. But um, they said that they just stayed in bed because they didn't want to miss their job in the morning as the house burned down. Yeah, I get that. Damn, dude, that's a wild story. And yeah, I'm gonna do more research into it. Um, not that it's ever going to give me any answers, because, I mean, we'll just never know. Yeah. Pro- we'll probably never know. Um, yeah. Fucking wild. A lot of the family thinks that um, they had met a stranger who took advantage of them. It's that's what I think, too. I mean, because I don't know what else would have happened. Um, so Morgan. Mm-hmm. Morgan, what have you been up to? Um, besides crippling depression, I'd say I'm watching The Witcher season two. Oh, all right. I, I think uh, it's season two, right? Season two. Yeah, I think so. It's um, just been so long. What do you never? Doing? I've never played the game. <laughs> I've <laughs> Never seen any of the show. Um, I don't care for Henry Cavell. Anyway, oh, God. No. no. I love him. He's such think, a nerd. I think he is a really wooden actor. A wooden? He's wood? I think he's wooden, just like um, Kevin Costner. I don't think they're interesting. I don't think they show a good range of emotions. I think they're bad actors. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's how I feel about both of them. Well, I am not a fan of Superman, but I am a fan of Jared. Gerald. Gerald. Gerald of Rivia. Yeah, no, um, I never, never played The Witcher. Um, I don't know. It, I'm, I mean, I'm, it sounds like something I might like, but... He, yeah, and he has a really great jawline. <laughs> he does have, like, the perfect Superman jawline, but I like faces that are softer. Yeah. I get that. I just like that jawline. Mm. Yeah, I get but it. But he plays D&D, and... He... He he's like really cool. He's a nerd. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure he's like a nice guy. I just don't think he's a very good actor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like uh fucking what's his name? Um the guy in Fast and Furious. 
He's he's a fucking D and D nerd, but he's also not a very good actor. Oh yeah, Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah, Vin Diesel. I forgot he plays too. Not only does he play, he has his character tattooed on him. <laughs> he's hardcore. He's like a super buff nerd. He's the buffest nerd I've ever seen. <laughs> super buff nerd. Do, do, do. Um, what have I been up to? I've mm-hmm. been up to a lot of things. God, I've watched so much shit since we last talked. Nice. Yeah, nice like. Yeah, like I can't even where to begin. Hmm. Okay, so I've been watching the last season of The Expanse on Amazon. Nice. Yeah. Is it good? It's the last it, season good. It is good. Um there's only like six episodes. There were two episodes in and a lot's happening. Um and there's still like some stuff setting up, so it's exciting. Um I hope it ends well. I think I'm going to read the books after the series ends. Because I'm not ready to let go of the characters. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Oh, uh, I've been watching Wheel of Time, also on Amazon. Uh, I recommend it. It's good. Um, It's less political than Game of Thrones, and it's more magical. But um, it's a good fantasy series. Uh, there's a ton of the books, too. Um, Mark and I have the first book, but neither one of us have been able to bring ourselves to read it yet. So, (laughs) (laughs) we decided that we were just going to watch the show first, and if the show was interesting enough, then we would want to read the books. I wonder how different it'll be. I never have done both, like, either of those. Well, well, I, Mark and I both read and watched all of game of thrones oh you you read all the books i read them all during um quarantine yeah oh hell yeah yeah i haven't read any of them they're good i highly recommend them they're really good they're really complex and there's all the characters are really interesting and it's way better than the show the show butchers it towards the last three seasons yeah really about a lot like I've, i've heard that a lot they changed some things that weren't necessary to change, but yeah, it, I recommend reading the books. If you liked the show, read the books. They're better. Um, but you will have to join us all in the limbo that is waiting for the winds of winter. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I've got, I mean, George isn't that old. I have faith that he can pound it out. Come on, George. If Don't die on me yet. Pounding drinks and pounding young Look, women. Look, he's got <laughs> he's he's got HB. I don't think he's pounding into young women more. <laughs> you never know. I, I really doubt it. Um, the man wears a train conductor cap. I mean, um, <laughs> and he's like three hundred pounds. Have you seen Donald Trump? Um, <laughs> George definitely weighs more than Donald, and he's not a sexual predator. So. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of, if you weren't fully aware of how we felt about our last president, I would have thought it was pretty obvious. Yeah, it's very obvious. I'm I'm sorry if you voted for him. Um, that's your own opinion. We try not to get too political. Anyway, uh, yeah. So what else was I? What else have I done? 
Oh, I watched the second season of Lock and Key on Netflix. So that was Key. It is a it is a, ser- a fantasy series based on comic books by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Oh, you were telling me about this. Yeah, it's what good. Are you talking about that. There's like magical keys and stuff, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's it like, yeah, it like centers around um, the kids on the show, and it stars the girl that um, is in Incident in a Ghostland. Did you ever see that movie? No, I haven't seen that. Um, it's on Shutter, and I think it's on a several different streaming sites. But it's made, it's like written and directed by Pascal Logier, the same guy who did Martyrs. Mm. It's pretty good. I didn't like it the first time I watched it, but I've watched it a few more times and I kind of like it now. Oh, do you have Amazon? Yeah. Okay. I thought you did. Yes. I have Amazon. I have I have access to all the streaming sites. Ooh. Except all not all of them. I take that back. I do not have Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus, or uh, some other thing that I don't care about. <laughs> but I, I I have access to most of them. Nice. I've been watching The Great. Have you seen that? That's, um, that's another show that I'm like, ah, oh, they have English accents, but I mean, it's good. Anthony really wants me to watch that show. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> he really wants me to get into it. And I think he thought that I had already watched it at some point because of my frequent use of the word huzzah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, my huzzahs are from me and me alone. I've never watched The Great. I did not know until he told me that they say that in that show. Yeah. Well, huzzah. <laughs> yeah. I just like that word. I always have. Yeah, you have. Yeah. You've said huzzah for a very long time. I have. It's all just a word that I say. I like fun words and huzzah's fun. I don't know what that is fun to say. say. Okay, so I promised you that that wasn't the last time I was going to bring up Doctor Who, and that's true. So I watched more. Okay, so I watched the newest season. It's the last season with Chris Chibnall as the showrunner, and it's the last season of Jodie Whittaker playing the Doctor. So. I have no idea who the next Doctor's going to be. I do know people that I don't want it to be. Because in the past, people were like, oh, it'd be great if it would be Eddie Redmayne. I do not want Eddie Redmayne to be the Doctor. Eddie Redmayne? He, was, he, played, he played Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything. And he's in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh. Yeah, that's... Hmm. That's Eddie Redmayne. Okay. I I don't want him to be the Doctor, although the Doctor would be thrilled to finally be a ginger. <laughs> I, here's, here's my thing. I don't know who the actor should be, but I do want it to be a redhead this time, I think. You do it could be redheads. Well, no, it's not that. It's The Doctor has specifically made jokes. 
Like when Tennant becomes the doctor the first time, he looks into the mirror and goes, still not a ginger. Like, <laughs> like he's disappointed. Um, and I, I want this for the doctor. I want the doctor to be a redhead finally. And I want it to be, um, I don't care uh, what their gender is. They could be literally anything. They could be one of those cat creatures that the doctor has with red hair. I don't care. <laughs> I, that I don't. I mean, it really couldn't be the cat thing because that's not a time lord. But they can. I don't know. They could work it out. I don't care. <laughs> I just want it to be a redhead. That's my only thing that I want is for the doctor to be a redhead. Yeah, that's yeah, what cause... I want. A <laughs> um, few of the companions have all been redheads. Yeah, there's been redhead companions. Donna Noble, one of, was she? Donna's my favorite companion. Um, Karen Glenn, uh, Amy Pond, she yeah, was a redhead. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the two redheads that stand out in my head. There's one more. The older. Well, there's, def- there's definitely one from the older series, but I don't remember all of their names. I can't remember her name. I haven't watched the old. I haven't watched some of the old series since I was like a kid, and um, I've I've like rewatched some other stuff more recently. But yeah, I do not remember all the old characters' names. God, you're not a true Doctor Who fan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be so hard to keep up with. You'd have to right. There's like fifty. There are fifty something years of Doctor. Yeah. I think I'm good. I think I'm doing well. You know, a lot of shits happened in the Doctor Who lore. To sit there and explain it to someone would take hours. Yeah. Andrew was trying. Whenever I first started watching it, because I didn't watch it until him. Yeah, I know. Trying to describe the show to me was, I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I was like, look at the Wikipedia page. (laughs) Yeah. Because it sounds like uh, the rantings of a madman a little bit. You know? It's like, there's there's these Dalek creatures. They've got, like, plungers. (laughs) It looks kind of like plungers. Especially when you see things of like old who, it looks like they really like spray painted a plunger and just stuck it on the front of the Dalek. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, um, and the the statues. Oh yeah, that's from the newer Who. Uh, the Weeping Angels is what you're. Talking mm-hmm. about. One of Those... I can't remember which episode it was, but he said, "Okay, if you've never really seen Doctor Who all the way through, we should start with just this one." He was like, I think you'll like it. I know what episode it was. It was Blink. Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah, Order that's in the a, house. Right? That's a great standalone episode because it barely has the doctor in it. It barely ha- you barely see his companion. You just you're just really focused on Carrie Mulligan. And but the doctor is seen in the TV telling her things. And I don't want to ruin it because it's a fabulous episode if you've never seen Doctor Who. And I think it is a fun place to start. I don't think... I think it's a fun place to start to get you interested and then you should go back and start with Eccleston. And then after you've done the new run and you love it enough, then go back and watch the older things. Yeah, I like David Tennant. David Tennant is my favorite and I have a lady boner for him. (laughs) 
Like, he plays this terrible, rapey, evil villain in Jessica Jones. Yeah, he does. And, like, the whole time I'm watching Jessica Jones, I'm like, this is the most despicable character I've ever seen him play, and I've never been more attracted to him. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, yeah. It was, was like, some weird thing for me. (laughs) (laughs) You're he like, was. I, I'm gonna go take a bath. Yeah, he was. He was. He made me tingle inside. <laughs> he awoke in places that I've never felt before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Big fan of the Purple Man, um, <laughs> despite his uh, horrible, rapey. Um... He's super rapist. Well, yeah, because he can control you with his mind and then you have no choice but to do what he tells you to do i like that character it's a great character he's really good at it david Tennant is so good at playing like a wonderful loving character he's so good at playing a conflicted uh broody character he's so good at playing a just straight up villain um he's a tremendous actor i love i i haven't seen anything that he's been in that i didn't like honestly Anytime I hear David Tennant's doing something new, I'm like, all right, new David Tennant show. Let's go. New Lady Boner. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> new Lady Boner. Uh, yeah, so let's talk the new series. Oh, um, I have to interject. Okay. One thing I forgot. Okay. Andrew and I were trying out Audible on our recent uh, trip to Gatlinburg. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend Eric Idle's book. And you have to do the audiobook of Eric Idle reading his autobiography. Um, okay. it's, it's, who, who is Eric Idle? What? Eric Idle is one of the greatest British comics from Monty Python. What? Oh, oh. Yeah, Eric I, Idle. Right. Sorry, I had a brain fart. That name just rung no bells in my head right then. Yeah, I love him. I love Eric Idle. Like, he's my favorite Monty Python, I think. Um, Him or Graham Chapman. Uh, Graham Chapman died in 89, though. So, um, I love Eric Idle and Monty Python. And this book is so good, and he reads it. Okay, I have to listen to this because, I mean, always look on the The bright side side of of life. life. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so good because, I mean, you get to know Eric Idle, um, like, behind the scenes, which I knew he was, like, a womanizer. Like, I remember my mom saying that. But oh. he was also married, and then he got divorced, and he wrote that song and sang it while, like, drunk on some uh, Tusnian wine or something (laughs) like that song was recorded in bed in a hotel room while he was really really wasted that's amazing and it's the most requested song at uh british funerals he he likes to say that a lot throughout the whole book it's so great (laughs) he like makes fun of himself and he's so self it's so great you he was like best friends with george harrison he was really close with um david bowie robin williams 
uh, Eric Clapton. Like he was friends with Mick Jagger, and he he talks about name dropping a lot, and it's hilarious. It's really you know, great. Now I'm gonna have to have that playing at my funeral after Megadeth Satute Lamont. <laughs> Yeah, but put, put I, that I love will. the song. Me too. Mark and I sing it all the time. We just like sometimes we'll look at each other and just break out in song of that. My my mom found a car magnet back in like 2012, and it said "Always look on the bright side of life," and the background looked like um, the drawings, and <laughs> it was so cool. And someone took it off my car; it fell off. It was what? gone. Yeah, it was like my favorite mag. It was it was a really cool big round magnet I had on the back of my car. It was great. That's awesome. But I do I do think that um, I don't trust putting magnets on my car because I always feel like they're definitely gonna fall off. Yeah, fall off or get stolen. It probably fell off. Yeah, I just don't trust that they'll stay there. Yeah. Either because they get too dirty and they fall off, or because someone's like, that's a cool magnet. Oh, it's not stuck on there? Oop, that's mine oh, now. That's a fucking magnet. Whoa. How the fuck no. is that short? Going <laughs> on my car now. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that happening. I remember, I think, <laughs> it's the stupidest thing I've ever had on my car. But I used to have, you know how you, people have all those awareness ribbons? The what? You know how, like, people used to always have, like, a bunch of awareness ribbons on their cars? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I had one on my car that said, Tattoo Acceptance in the Workplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's, like, something to really fight for. I mean, I do fight for that, but, like, <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know. You know I what I mean? A, <laughs> I had a, a sticker that said, In Funk We Trust. That's very on brand for you. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Flux. Um, that's the newest season. That was the new what the newest season of Doctor Who was called. It was called Doctor Who Flux. Flux. And it's an entire so it's like six episodes and it's one story over the entire six episodes. So that's it's the female doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this was all super connected. Um, you know, one big unifying story. And a lot of people have been pissed because it kind of retcons a lot of Dr. Hoover. And I mean, it does. It does. Um, it changes things quite a bit. But it's written in such a way that it's not like it just overwrites something. It's like, oh, this, you just didn't know this yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it's. Oh, hold on. Like you find out so something. It's rewriting about... history. Yes, it rewrites the doctor's history, but it makes it to where it's like the doctor just didn't know this about himself, their selves yet. Oh, okay, so it's like building on past history. Yes, it builds on past history, but then brings new elements by just saying like the doctor's. Memories were hidden from them of this. Essentially. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, it's setting it, up a new storyline. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. You'll have, you and Andrew will have to just like 
catch up and watch it and see what you think. Um, I liked it okay, but I have to say I am looking forward. I'm not looking forward to seeing Jodie Whittaker leave. I like Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Um, she's fun as the Doctor, but I'm looking forward to Chris Chibnall leaving. Because honestly, I thought he was kind of a weird choice. So if you don't know who Chris Chibnall is, he was the creator and showrunner of Broadchurch, which is a dark, moody drama mystery about a murdered kid. Oh, and it has David Tennant in it, right? It has David Tennant and Jodie Whittaker in it. Yeah, it has both. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Um. So basically, it, he went from doing a show like that to a fun, sometimes dark, whimsical show like Doctor Who. And I just thought that it was a weird choice. But I really like Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. And, I mean, not all of the episodes that he did are bad or anything. I just feel like she deserved better storylines. Does that isn't, make sense? Yeah. Isn't this new one political or no? No. It's not? No. Not at all. I haven't watched... Her, I, I watched, I think, the first episode because it comes there's, out like in stages, like, right? Yeah, well, yeah, um, all of her seasons are out now, though. And then now, the last few things before she like leaves, she has like four, spe- three, she has three specials that are going to end her in her um cycle as the doctor. So there's like a new year special, and then there'll be two more specials, and then. New Doctor. I think... Oh, and the new the new showrunner, by the way, is going to be Russell T. Davies, who was the original showrunner and creator of the reboot of Doctor Who, which is what we're talking about. So he's the one who, like, cast Christopher Eccleston as the ninth Doctor. He's the one who wrote all, the, like, a bunch of David Tennant episodes and was the showrunner during David Tennant's reign. So I think it'll be fun to have him back in the reins because I really liked what he did, even though there were some silly episodes during his run. So I could go on and on and have like a whole episode about Doctor Who, though. So <laughs> you're totally nerding out right now. I am. <laughs> um, it is one of my nerddoms, and you can't take that away from me. Also, you're engaged to a Doctor Who nerd, so yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I usually get him at least one Doctor Who referenced gift. Excellent. Um, I have a jewelry box that is literally the TARDIS, by the way. <laughs> oh, I got him one too, but it's um like a secret box. It nice. has a hidden drawer and stuff in it. It's cool. Oh, that's cool. So the way mine is, um, the door that's like the door to the front door to the TARDIS or whatever is uh, one of the drawers, I think. And then on the side it opens out and then it has like a place where you can hang necklaces and stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then there's another top drawer, like above, like where the like police box sign is. That's a cool little box. Yeah. My ex got it for me. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I love it. It's, it's, it was a great gift. It was a fantastic gift. I will cherish it forever. Yeah, and I have a little Doctor Who action figure of David Tennant that hangs out next to it. (laughs) Yeah. And 
I have a Funko Pop that's also of David Tennant that sits next to the action figure of him. <laughs> they they like are the same but different. Yes, they're both David Tennant, but one's cartoony and one's not. <laughs> <laughs> one's uh looks like him, like actually looks like him. He would turn to the cartoon and be like, "You look silly." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like when. Uh, the two doctors, the 50th anniversary special where it's Matt Smith's doctor, David Tennant's doctor, and they're like, I'm the doctor. No, I'm the doctor. Yeah, that one's good. I I just watched that one. I saw that in theaters for the 50th anniversary. <laughs> in 3D, and it was dope. Yeah, no, I just watched it for the first time. <laughs> nice, Andrew nice. was like, we have to watch this. Well, yeah, it uh, the 50th anniversary special came out like, I think on my in theaters like on my birthday, so I went to go see it for my birthday in 3D and it was awesome. I was very excited. That's really super cool. pumped, Anna. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, I think I think that's it. We're good. Um, our next yeah okay. So our next episode um will be something. Um, I mean we know what it is. We already have it in the works, but um. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Anyway, tune in in January to find out what the hell we're doing next. <laughs> what are we doing here? Yes. All right. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year from Horror vs. Reality. Bye. Happy Holidays.